1: Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just eight ninety seven at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.
2: Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I'm Ben. Uh, As always, we are joined by our super producer, Alex, the loan shark, Alex, the loan tra- Alex, the shark, the shark, Sure. Alex, the shark Williams. Uh, so, as you know, we usually like to pick on our producers a little bit and assign them a nickname that is relevant to the show. I think we pretty much uh, let the badger out of the bag there, right? A little bit. Mm, yeah, we've well, fans already have
3: read the title of the episode, so they know that we're talking about <laughs> car title loans
1: today. Yes, we are. We are, which sounds weird, right? Because previous to the research that we did for this episode, Scott, just to be candid with you, I would have fallen asleep at the mention of a car title loan. You know what I mean? I'm one of those guys who – I'm responsible. I'll maintain insurance. I'll do all the the dry, snooze-fest adult stuff. Mm -hmm. But – I don't enjoy it so when I hear like car title loan it seems like ah it's time to take a nap but there's a very important Podcaster will be for several people because a lot of folks don't understand exactly what this is or what they 're agreeing to when they do it
3: and i'll also be candid in that I had no idea that any of this was going on with these car title places. I knew that it was kind of a a shady deal in some ways in a lot of in a lot of cases, but um, until I really read what was happening here with these car title loans, I just had no clue as to how damaging this can be to someone's credit future credit right um current credit or whatever i mean just it's really it's fascinating and it has to do with cars of course i mean (laughs) you're putting your car in peril when you take one of these loans we'll we'll talk about the specifics of of what's really going on with these loans what you need to provide if you're going to attempt to get one of these or Mm -hmm. um oh ben again let me me just start out by saying this we talked about this off air Mm -hmm. um we're really not in the business of giving advice to anybody. Right. Uh, we yeah, are Financial advice.
1: Right. We are not the Clark Howard show. We are fans of the Clark Howard show. Do check it out. Uh, but we're not here to tell you what you should and should not do. We will give you our perspective and we will do our best to arm you with the information that you should know at yeah. least.
3: We're not doctors, but we play one on TV. Right. Right. I've seen several medical shows. Well, I'm not a dentist either, Ben. Uh, so I can't give you all the financial details. Wait a minute. I screwed that <laughs> up already, haven't I?
1: Well, I've, you said, See, you
3: know, <laughs> no, well, here's the thing. We're going to be talking about a lot of financial terms today. And I, I, I was not uh, joking around, I guess, but I'm not a banker. I will try to get all the terms right. If I, if I screw up a little something in there, I, you'll get the gist of the, uh, of the, uh, the, the topic right. anyways. I'll, I'll do my best to stay on point here, but, um, there's a lot of terms here that are a lot like a foreign language to me. So any bankers out there, Give me a little leeway on this one. Us, yeah, us a little leeway on
1: we'll, this one. We'll break this down into, you know, as, as basic uh, a concept as we can. Yeah. Let's start at the beginning. A car title loan, at least what that phrase means if you hear it in the U.S., and may be called something different in your neck of the global woods. A car title loan is a type of loan, a secured loan, where the borrowers can use the title to their vehicle as collateral. So if, for instance, Scott – Got some cold chips in Vegas and he needs some money quick. Cold chips. Cold chips. Yeah, okay. Uh, in Vegas and he needs some money quick. Uh, he could take the title to his vehicle to uh, a lending area, a place that does car title loans, and then they would give him, let's give you something more fun than a vehicle. He takes his Honda Odyssey. Things are going really bad for oh, Scott. Oh man. <laughs> he has to, he's got, he's got um, gambling debts, so he had to take his Honda Odyssey the title it was Honda Odyssey, uh, and now he has a, a certain amount of time to make good in Vegas.
3: Yeah, so here's the deal. It's a, it's a small, like a, a short-term— high-rate loan that uses the clear title on your vehicle. It has to be a clear title. That's one thing that uh, we need to point out is that you can't still own money in a lot of cases. You have to right. own it outright um, and use that as collateral. And, and they, you
1: have to give them the copy. They
3: keep it. Yeah, you give them the... T- yeah, that's right. It's not just a copy of it and that's it because I mean, a lot of people <laughs> just do that and leave town. Uh, you <laughs> give them a copy of the title. You give them oftentimes a set of keys to your vehicle. Mm-hmm. They take photographs of the vehicle. Uh, you, of course, fill out all the loan application, you know, all that, all the um, information they need to be able to track you down and a lot of times they will even install gps tracking devices on the vehicle so they know where it is at all times and some of those gps tracking devices will have a device that will allow them to shut your vehicle down it will allow the remote shutdown it'll allow the um it will disable the ignition and uh, we i think we've talked about that in the past i i'm pretty darn sure we have Mm -hmm. um with uh you know some of these I, I guess lenders that loan to a, a higher risk clientele uh they will install these devices that can sometimes disable the ignition on your vehicle and if you're not making a payment uh they will then you know turn off your vehicle and it's stuck right where it is they know where it is they can come pick it up and repossess it so um before we get too far here Ben uh I think we need to talk about um kind of where all this comes from because these places are popping up all over the place now so you'll fi- right. you'll find car title loan locations, these little tiny storefronts that appear on it mm-hmm. seems like every street corner in a busy city, mm-hmm. um, even out into the suburbs, you'll find a few here and there. And then um, you'll also find them online. There's a lot of online lenders that will do the exact same thing. And um, it's unfortunately, it's all a bit shady. This is a, um, I guess this would fall into the umbrella of predatory lending. And I, I think we'll talk about predatory lending at some point, too, because yeah. there are other versions of, uh well, I guess risky loans maybe is what you, you can call it. Um, people that are in need of cash now and there are lenders out there willing to give, it, to give that to them but at extremely high interest rates. And this is maybe one of the biggest eye-opening things that I, I mm-hmm. came across. Um, and we'll just say it now, Ben. Why not? Um, these loans sometimes come with a 300% APR. Not 30%. No, 300. Three digits there. Annual, uh, percentage. Rate. Yeah, that's an annual percentage rate of 300%. Now, they will mask this in the, uh, in the documents that they give you uh, ahead of time when you're filling out the, the forms because they do have to disclose that. And I, I have a note here somewhere, you know, the, uh, uh, the rule that tells them or that tells you, I think it's called the, um, the Federal Truth in Lending Act that, that, that makes them disclose all of the terms and conditions of that loan. So um, again, that's the, uh, the the Federal Truth in Lending Act, and boy, they they will disguise it as I said in a form of a monthly rate that they'll tell you is twenty five percent. Now twenty five percent is already high if you're mm-hmm. borrowing money. Yeah, but but twenty five percent monthly, what that's not uh, being. Told you, you're not you're not translating that in your own head as you're thinking. You're filling out the paperwork, and you're going to get your thousand dollar paycheck or whatever it is. Mm. Um, that that does translate to three hundred percent APR. That's a that's for the twelve months. So you know twenty five times twelve is three hundred percent.
1: Yeah, it, it's crazy. The numbers are crazy. And I want to be I, I want to be fair in our representation here, Scott, because it is a very risky loan for borrowers. It is also a risky loan for lenders.
3: Yeah, sure. And you know, Ben, I'm glad you said it because in a, in a moment we're going to be able to uh, uh, later, I guess, at the end of the podcast, there is a um, a guy, a lender, who kind of defends his business and tells you, you know, why he does what he does, and uh-huh. it, uh, he tries to make sense of the whole thing. So we'll we'll describe that too. But let's let's talk now a little bit about um, loan sharking. And, uh, we've probably heard the term loan shark before, yeah, right? Yeah, loan shark. And, and, I I guess this is, this is a, um, a person or a body that lends money without the correct authorization from the financial conduct authority. So, uh, they're the FCA. Now, loan sharks are, Illegal. I mean, that's somebody that's like walking the street, you know, like somebody that will loan loan you cash on the spot.
1: And the FCA is the Financial Conduct Authority, right?
3: Yeah, that's right. And, you know, this could be, um, you know, via organized crime, whatever. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that too. But a lot of times loan sharks will use um, blackmail or threats of violence to uh, get the payment back. You know, they'll they'll mm-hmm. have these exorbitant um, interest rates like we had talked about. You know, I'll loan you $500 now, but at the end of the month, in 30 days, it's going to be, you know, what you almost double that. You yeah. owe me a thousand at the end of the month. Unless you, you
1: want to visit from Vinny Two Hands. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and you know, the person says, well, that may be a, a risk that I want to, I want to take. Vinny Two Hands. Wait a minute.
1: <laughs> I guess
3: I'm Scott Two Hands, right? Yeah, you'd be yeah. Scotty Two Hands. Then <laughs> you'd be Betty Two Hands.
1: Oh, I would be, okay. Um, yep. yeah, we can't both be that. Well, that's we a both... cool name. Okay. Well, huh. I would be, um, I'll, I'll figure out a mafioso name. Yeah, okay. Got it. But yeah, it, it, you do it, our actual show. I'm going to do these mafioso <laughs> nicknames. <laughs> it fits most people. But anyways,
3: it's it's an illegal, um, it's an illegal practice. It's again predatory lending. It's extremely high interest rates. Um, and, and it, same as like the same thing with like payday or even title. You know the title ones that we're talking about. Right. Um, but this goes back a lot farther than a lot of people would think. This goes way back. Mm-hmm. Um, before uh, I guess the criminal underworld got involved with uh with this predatory lending. Um, and now it's also there's. I mean, if you can call this legitimate business, I guess there's legitimate business that does it today, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll get to that too. But back in the 19th century, Ben, there were something called salary lenders. Now, this is something because I, I it was really interesting because I I thought it was always kind of a, um, a, a dirty practice, I guess, you know, that somebody was really preying on a group of individuals. But there was a, a time when these 19th century salary lenders would would seek out customers that they felt were – were good risks they were they were um like uh, steadily employed you know they had a respectable job which typically meant they had you know like a regular income yeah. and a reputation to protect you know they were they were typically people who were married uh they were people who um you know had a uh, i guess a, a name and a face in town that people would recognize and
1: maybe like a sick relative or some legitimate need to borrow money
3: but the point is though yeah. is that they were less likely to flee town and it made them uh, a more on – as far as the uh, the salary lender would, would see them, they're more of like a – they had more of a legitimate motive for borrowing. And this was
1: – not to get too philosophical or off topic, but this was an age – in the 1800s in the US, uh, we did not live in an age where it was normal for people to have massive amounts of credit card debt. <laughs> or massive student loans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny because they just didn't even exist at the time. Right. There was, there was none of that. So it was a very different world.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, like we've mentioned the type of people they were looking for, mm-hmm. the people that, that they were not lending to right. were the gamblers, the criminals, and other, you know, disreputable or unreliable types of
1: people. Drifters.
3: They were to be avoided in all circumstances by these salary lenders back in the
1: 19th century. And so – To further paint the context here, um, it was almost impossible to get a small loan from a legal institution. Small loans didn't make any money for the banks. Uh, It was frowned upon by society because you would be seen as someone who couldn't manage a budget. Like you need $50 for the end of the month. Why aren't you just being responsible? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, So banks and the other institutions would stay away from this. And when these small lenders came in, they filled a legitimate market gap. Yeah. Uh, But—
3: there was another group that was also lending, Ben. Yes. And this is in, uh, this is in the 20th century. So when we get to the 20th century, um the gangsters get involved. You know, kind of a, uh, a new breed of illegal lender, if you want to call it that. And, uh, they often use violence to enforce their debts. Uh, so, or the, actually, here's the thing with this, Ben. They would often threaten violence, but they rarely carried it through. And the reason was, and I, I found this interesting, is that they rarely carried it through because if they injured the borrower, that probably meant they couldn't go to work, and they could never pay off the debt. So, you know, it was it was bad business to really to to hurt the clientele. Although they would threaten it, and they would come really really close. Right. Uh, they would they would make you think that they're going to kill you, or and they you would know, rough you up a little. Yeah, they might you know you might take a thumb off or something, but um you know you're still going to be able to do your job. And and that was the thing. It was the the fear of the the fear of what might happen if you didn't pay them back. And that was the the, the biggest tool that they had, or the biggest uh, um bit of leverage they had against the, mm-hmm. the borrower.
1: So there's another thing here that happens because they also, once uh, it became an organized criminal enterprise, they would prey on people who were regularly interacting with them because they became addicted to this cycle of acquiring money and then paying back high interest rates and then needing to borrow more. And a lot of the regulars in this world, you know, Came from gambling because people who were operating illegal gambling concerns, uh, couldn't go to the local police district and say, Hey, this guy owes me five large, which I guess back then would be 500. I don't know. Probably five large on, uh, you know, an illegal street fight thing.
3: Yeah, because the chances are the gambler himself or herself is already involved in something illegal,
1: and would be convicted of a much more serious crime.
3: Yeah, exactly. That was often the case. It's not always the case, but often the case. And you know, the funny thing is, we're, we're t- you know, this is it seems like we're talking about ancient history, really, in the way that you know, I mean, but it, but it does bring us to close to the modern day, believe it or not. I mean, yeah. these loan sharks have been around for a while, and they've they've been around, or they're still around, really. Mm-hmm. Um, they're out there but the thing with the title loans the title loans is is an all new thing that hasn't really happened since uh i think it was around the early 1990s i believe is when title loans became a thing yeah um you didn't see anything until again probably 1990 1991 somewhere around there and you know there were always other there were other types of risky loans out there as we had we had hinted at there were there are pawn shop loans sure uh which you know involve you giving things to you know to a pawn shop uh that you own like a television or jewelry or computer or something like that there and are payday then, loans yeah and the the pawn shop lends you a percentage of that item's value that the payday loan that's another one, and that's when you're you're saying that you know i'm I'm working right now i need I need something you know whatever it is if it's rent or if it's you know a, a car repair or whatever. Um, and I have the money, I have the job, I'm gonna get it, uh, but I can't get it right now, I don't have access to that money. And somebody's willing to front you that money with it on the backside with, of course, with some interest, right?
1: Yeah, and then there are also the wimpy hamburger loans, <laughs> where someone loans you a hamburger <laughs> yeah. on Wednesday. I think it
3: was, yeah, I'm glad they, they play Tuesday for a hamburger today, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the, that's the one? Yeah. yeah. You're right, I forgot about the wimpy hamburger loans. It's a huge industry. <laughs> I
1: apologize for that. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. You're right.
3: And then now we can lump car title loans in. Now, car title loans, as we said, were, were, that's a relatively new thing. And, and I think we've, we've mentioned this already, but the idea is that, um, you know, if you don't pay back this loan and, and oftentimes these loans are are relatively small. Very small. They're, they're not huge loans typically. Yeah. It might be
1: as small as a hundred dollars.
3: Yeah. They can be really small like that. I mean, uh, ballpark, let's say it's 500 bucks or even a thousand. Um, if you don't pay back the loan in full, you oh, you know what? I'm going to get too far in advance to the way these whole thing the, the whole sure, thing works. Sure. And, but I, I wanted to say that um, the idea in general is that you know you, you borrow a fraction of what your car is worth, pay it back with tremendous amounts of interest, and if you don't pay it back with tremendous amounts of interest in the time frame that they give you, which is a short time, uh, then you face you know severe penalties in in the form of you know more interest added onto that loan, or the repossession of your vehicle, as we talked about with those devices that shut it down and track it, etc.
1: And it's completely legal because it, you've signed something saying, I own this car in totality and here are the legal rights to take it.
3: Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's it's that's the most bizarre thing. I mean, there now there are some states that have Change some of the rules. I think there's, uh, you know, a handful of states that have tried to kind of rein these guys in. You know, say that you can't, you can't charge people 300% APR on a, on a on a title loan. We're going to cap that at, uh, I think it was 36% is uh, is the maximum. Um, there's a, a few states that have done that. There are other states that have tried to do that, but uh, still these these loans will go through illegally. Um, so there are people in states that have a cap on them, you know, if 36% interest rate for a title loan and or car title loan and they don't realize it and they're paying that 300% or they're paying 25% monthly APR.
1: Well, often part of that is because they're finding people in very vulnerable situations.
3: You know, can I just briefly, we we mentioned this number a few times. Let's say that you borrow $500 at 25% APR. Okay. I'm sorry, 25% monthly. APR. (laughs) Well, no, APR is annual. Oh,
1: yeah,
3: yeah. 25%. Rate. So 25% monthly percentage rate. Yeah. So you borrow $500, and that's not an uncommon number. A lot of people just need $500 to get by. And at the end of the month, in the 30 days, if you don't pay back um, the amount that you borrowed, the $500 plus the interest for that month, which is, again, at 25%, that's $125. It's $625 total. So you have to pay $625. But, but let's say you get to the end of the month and – Oh, what do you know? You're in a bad situation with the money. You don't have all 625. They will allow you to pay the interest, just the interest, the $125 to yeah. them, not touching the principal that just you owe Just like loan maintenance. Yeah, like just here's the 125 that we owe you for that. We're going to roll that over into the next month, but that comes with another 25% monthly interest rate. And it just snowballs from there, and you haven't even touched the principal yet. And it's not uncommon. That happens a lot where people get – you know, eight months into this and they've paid thousands of dollars on a 500 or, you know, maybe a thousand dollar loan and they've never touched the principal and they still owe more in interest. It's, it's just, it's this crazy circle of debt that they get into. And and it's really, really tough to get out of once you're in it. So, um, Again, it's a, it's a real tough thing. Um, there, there, are not only that, um, you know, we talked about the interest rate, but there are also, um, hidden fees, and sometimes there are, um, consequences if you, you know, don't pay on these fees, as we talked about, um, you know, the, well, not the physical consequences, but, you know, the, the monetary consequences, and also, you know, the possible, uh, again, uh, repossession of your car. Uh, but we said that, you know, there's the, uh, the GPS devices that can track and locate you. In some cases, disable the vehicle if, if the payment is late even. Uh, some things that, you know, kind of remind you to make the payment, I guess. Uh, that's a strong reminder. Um, but let's say that, um, you default on a loan, a car title loan, and you might be you might even be subject to the repossession fees, which can cost you know three hundred fifty or four hundred dollars in addition to paying back the outstanding balance of the loan. Oh, that's right; they do charge
1: you for the repo. Yeah,
3: they charge <laughs> you for the repo, and this is after. Okay, I don't even know if we mentioned this Ben. What's this, that? This, there's so many angles. to This I keep getting derailed by more expenses. But when you borrow money, they won't give you the full amount that your car is worth. Of course. Oh it's an, yeah, it's yeah. an oversecured loan, which means that. Uh, when you when you borrow money, you're borrowing typically less than 50 percent of the value of that car. So right. whatever it's valued at Blue Book, they'll give you maybe 40 percent or even 25 percent at the most for that vehicle. And that's because they know that they're, you're likely to default on that loan mm-hmm. and they're likely to repossess that vehicle. And that gives them enough cushion on the other side to make a profit because they can sell your vehicle outright then they've got the title they've got the keys you've got a con- they've got a contract that says if you don't pay this back we own it so it
1: also gives an incentive i think that's important scott it also gives an incentive to the lender for the person to default,
3: yes, and and the, the other, yeah, that's right. It's 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 kind of prom. It's kind of pushing them in that direction. You know, it's like it's like making them make it harder for you to pay it back. And a lot that's what a lot of these things are doing now. There there are contracts that can conceal other fees too. I mean, if you don't read the fine print, uh, there's credit insurance that you have to get. You have to have life insurance in some cases. And there's some things. that There's even insurance that you have to pay for. That let's say if your car breaks down. They yeah. make you pay for insurance just to cover that. And then, Ben, sometimes they will charge you a roadside assistance fee. And I think that's what they're talking about, the insurance, if it breaks down. But that can be – even on an, in a $500 loan, that can be even 80 or or $100 per month wow. uh, to pay for that. So that's a, a significant chunk of the uh, uh, of the fees that go into this. So these all add up to make this, this incredible huge payment that you just can't make. They call this a balloon payment situation where – um, you know, you pay the interest, you pay the interest, you pay the interest, and then at the end, you still have the, uh you know, the principal amount to pay in one big lump sum, and a lot of people just can't do it. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, the the amount of stuff. I mean, and you, as you said, all of this increases the likelihood that the debtor won't be able to pay back the loan or, or um you know, maybe they'll default and they'll lose their vehicle completely. And, you know, one – man, another thing. In a lot of states, there's a rule, and a lot of people don't know this rule, that if – uh, it's not in every state, but if they, if they do repossess your vehicle and they sell it at an auction or, you know, whoever mm-hmm. they sell it to, sometimes they're required to pay you back the difference between what they made at auction versus what the pay, what, you know, was owed to them. So they're not making all that on, you know, profit on top of that as well. They're supposed to be able to give, they're supposed to be giving that money back to you, but a lot of people don't even know that. So the, the car title loan place, just holds on to one hundred percent of the profit from the vehicle and you
1: lose everything. Well the lender is certainly not going to go out and say, hey, well, bright side, if we auction it, we have to give you the difference. You're gonna to have to find that out on your own. <laughs> um, so we've we've touched on a massive amount of stuff here. Uh let's pause for a sponsor break and then we'll return and uh and delve a little bit deeper. I want to end on this part for this segment though, Scott. All of the things that we have described are, wait for it, completely legal. We'll be right back.
4: Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math and Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone, The studios didn't really control the theaters, the theaters didn't control the studios, and I
3: thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry.
4: Or Kellen Kenney, chief marketing and growth officer at AT AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar.
0: It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson.
4: In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
2: Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there.
0: Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver.
1: And we're back. So we raised multiple uh, – I would say issues, multiple issues, multiple incentives or uh, consequences or, or little financial mechanisms that make this a bad idea. Oh, sure. For the vast majority of people. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that. Yeah. Uh, I am wondering – now, we did tease that there will be somebody at the end here who will defend this, right? Yeah, give and so- you some alternate options as well. Right.
3: That's what we'll do. But, yeah, somebody's going to defend this ahead of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a guy that, you know, he lends, but he says, you know, he, well, you know what, we'll wait to get to it. But sure. uh, he'll tell you why it's maybe a valuable option for some people.
1: So let's begin this part of the show with some statistics. According to the Pew Charitable Trust, more than 2 million Americans annually use auto title loans. Just for perspective there, I believe the current population of the United States as we record this is about 321.4 million people. Mm -hmm. So 321.4 million people. Two million every year are getting auto loans, and that's a growing business. Well,
3: they're getting title loans.
1: Auto title loans. Ooh, good call. We talked about that early. A lot of people are getting auto loans, and even more people are getting auto loans, and that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, that's a completely different ball game. So, the the research shows that uh, you can find the full report for free on the uh, Pew Trust website, but the research shows that as Scott and I had examined earlier, you have all the problems of payday loans getting hooked on this cycle of, of predatory interest where you never touch the principal. But this is, uh, this is dangerous in a different way because a payday loan, you could very easily or eventually find yourself in a situation where your paycheck arrives and the bulk of it just becomes interest.
3: Can I tell you something about payday loans that I just now remembered? I I may have shocked some people with the, uh, the car title loan interest rate of 300% APR. You know what a payday loan can, can sometimes have an interest rate of 1000%. Like, how is that legal? It's it, I, I don't know. It's possible. And I don't think that's every case, of course. But payday loans, anytime you go by these places that, you know, offer car title loans, payday loans, you know, whatever paycheck advances or whatever. Yeah. All those places that have, you know, the neon signs in the window and it's just a tiny little storefront. It looks like it was probably a phone shop the week before. Uh, those places can charge you a thousand percent on a payday loan up to a thousand percent i should Insane. say yeah and that's of course that's an apr again so you know but but you never get out of that cycle it's like you said you get addicted to that feeling it's like money now money right now is so addictive to a lot of people that they have to do this and they, they get into this cycle and without realizing what you know what a um, what what fall they're setting themselves up for down the road and it's not that far down the road i'm talking a couple of months down the road
1: and so this also brings us to a uh this brings us to a couple of things uh, before we continue. Well, I'll save one for the end. But uh, one historical aspect I forgot to mention is to – in order to reduce uh, their appearance as predatory lenders back in the 19th century when the salary lenders first emerged, yeah. what they said is they said they're not lending money. They what? said that they are purchasing future wages at oh. a discounted rate. Oh, clever. Right? Very clever. Yeah. That's
3: like, that, it, that's it's a weasel wording way around, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's like, again, it, just a, a, a simple way to say the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but make it sound like it's, uh, it's acceptable. It cleans it up a bit.
1: I used to have, uh, purchasing a, future wages. A relative, well, I still have a relative who, uh, taught me the real snarky thing. Um, when I was a kid, I remember saying like, I remember getting irritated about stuff and saying, are you laughing at me? And he would stop him like, oh no, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not laughing at you, I'm laughing with myself. (laughs) <laughs> it's like that's the same thing the same thing yeah, yeah it's a, but
3: it's similar is this the same as like when you church something up i don't church that up you know <laughs> is that, i think that's the same thing i think you're right yeah yeah it's just making it sound a little bit better like i'm purchasing future wages i'm purchasing so, future wages <laughs> hey, i thought you would appreciate can that. i can i bring up a couple more stats i don't know yeah, where you're going yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, before that I, I don't mean to derail us all the time on this but let's get the, some stats just, there's so much to this and and Some of these you have to pay careful attention to really get what's going on here. But you said there are about 2 million people that that get car title loans every single year. Now, the average car title customer pays, get this, $2,142 in interest on a $950 loan and renews the loan eight times. So you know, remember we mentioned yeah. the uh, the monthly rollover. Yeah, that monthly rollover is is an average of eight times per borrower. So you're paying twenty one forty two in interest on a loan that's less than a thousand dollars. So you can understand where that's bad. So as of two thousand thirteen, about seven thousand seven hundred and thirty car title lenders operate in twenty one states, and they charge borrowers three point six billion dollars in interest on one point six billion dollars in loans each year. Did you hear that? Wow. The the loan amount, the actual loan that they're they're taking out is 1.6 billion, but they're charging borrowers 3.6
1: billion in interest every year. Crazy. That's insane. Yeah. And that's that's from 2013. So, uh we also have numbers from 2015. In 2015, as of 2015, over 8,000 title loan stores operated in 25 states.
3: Oh, so four more states and about 250 more locations. Minimum,
1: yeah. Wow. Uh, Still, the states differ on protections for uh, consumers or protections for lenders. Uh, title loans are still less common than payday loans, and they're still probably for larger amounts. But as Scott said, they are similar. The typical customer is probably going to be low-income, struggling to make ends meet, which makes it even more difficult, with, uh, especially with that lump-sum balloon payment practice. And so one of the reasons we have to ask ourselves, right, why are these loans so expensive? Well, according to a lot of research, title loans as well as payday loans um, are expensive because the borrowers are not shopping based on price. So the lenders don't have to lower price to be competitive. Instead, they channel their competition into – location availability, convenience, because this is very neighborhood-based. Yeah, know it's, what a I mean? conv-
3: it's definitely a convenient thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh And so they want to – they don't want to say, well, if you already have a loan with us and you take a loan, another loan, you get a better deal this time around. What mm-hmm. they want to say is let's put – let's look at income demographics, as ruthless as this might sound. Let's look at income demographics zip code by zip code, and let's – post up somewhere there.
3: Predatory is the right term for this this type of loan. And again there are th- what we say there's three I think that fall under that umbrella. There's probably more than that, but uh you know the 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 payday, the pawn loan, the car title loan. These all all the title loans of course will fall under it no matter what type of title it is. If you're trying to do uh to pawn a uh or not pawn but I guess uh get a, a loan against a boat or a, a motorcycle or whatever. It doesn't have to be a car. I guess we haven't said that. No, um, it could be any vehicle. Yeah, it could be any vehicle. So uh, it's just, you know, whatever's easy for them to take. I don't think they'll take a bicycle, though. <laughs>
1: I think <laughs> that would have to be a pawn loan.
3: We, yeah, it would have to be a pawn loan. And you know what? Some bicycles are worth a lot of money, so I would bet that, you know, a pawn loan would be a, a decent way to do that kind of thing.
1: And I don't think anybody has ever uh done a – I may be wrong on this, but I don't think anybody has done a title loan for a Tesla or a Rolls-Royce or a – one of the various uh, flying cars like a I oh, or something. I don't, who knows?
3: You know, you know, it's funny while we're talking about this and I don't know why my mind went yeah, here yeah, but yeah. I... Doesn't it seem like on the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties television shows that uh they were always taking items into the pawn shop to be uh you know, like yeah. a wedding ring or something like that. There's always some kind of shenanigans going on, you know, like um they were they were pawning the ring to get the money to buy some gift and they were gonna come back and pay it back, but somebody had taken the ring and it there was there's always something going on with a pawn shop, it seemed like, in a lot of uh situation yeah. comedies. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that, you know, I, I we don't see that very often in the the modern you know, comedy era, I guess. You know, sitcoms, things like no, that. No, no, or the, even
1: even movies, really. No, pawn shop. As um, I, I guess, other than a couple of reality shows, you don't see too many uh, representations of pawn shops in popular media. No,
3: but they're out there. I mean, the pawn shops are all over the place. They're out there. Yeah, I mean, they're everywhere. I I've been to pawn shops before. Have you ever you ever shopped at a pawn shop?
1: I didn't. uh Okay, so I didn't shop at one because, again, I'm. Cartoonishly cheap. Yeah. Um, and I knew how much people were selling things for. And that information plus knowing how much the pawn shop was selling it yeah. for made me think, ah, I'll just wait and. Go somewhere else. Oh
3: no, kidding! Yeah, I had the opposite um, experience at pawn shops in Detroit. In Detroit, yeah. uh, When I first got my new my place, you know, outside of my mom's house, you know, Uh um, brand new job, whatever. You know, I had a little bit of money, but not enough to buy like a nice new TV. Sure. So I go to the pawn shop and I look around because I I had been there in the past to buy tools and things like that because that's a great place to buy uh, lawn equipment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really cheap lawn equipment. They'll start up for you. They'll let you see that it runs and operates and everything. And you know, it's it's a guaranteed good buy. I guess. You know, other than, you know, you, you, you see what you get, I guess, I, um, and yeah. musical instruments and all that stuff. But but I didn't have money for a TV, and it was one of those big, uh, you know, the old uh, – With the cathode rays. Yeah, the big heavy old TVs, yeah. right? And you could go there and find a really, you know, relatively decent TV. There were some terrible ones there too. There was some crap. But on the shelf, there were some good ones and, you know, less than $100. bucks. let us say $75 for a nice relatively big TV at the time. And, uh, and I had found nothing wrong with it. I think I got two or three TVs like that, you know, and, and other things too, you know, like just kind of, you know, I guess you can call them toys, you know, like motorized scooters or whatever you wanted to get. All that stuff is there. Sure, like a cursed monkey's paw. <laughs> yeah, like a cursed monkey's paw. Perfect. Yeah. But, uh, but, but, it has its place i think i think it has its place for, for certain things like that i never have traded i had never had to trade anything in there thankfully i haven't been in that position yeah. i've been on the other side where you go
1: in and you get the good deals i understand you know i understand that it definitely fills a an economic niche right the first time i remember going into a pawn shop i was i was pretty young and I was exploring this strip mall and I think my my mother was at the grocery store that anchored it or something, and I wasn't very familiar with the area. But I walked in and I thought I was in a weird museum. Yeah, and it went from what does this place sell to what does this place not sell. Yeah. You buy a gun. Yeah,
3: a yeah, little kid on the spot, like, mm-hmm. come back to the grocery store. They're, yeah,
1: they're like, you know what this sixth grader needs is a 45 <laughs> and an attitude. Oh,
3: <laughs> well, they've got some interesting things on the shelves. You're right. They, it seems like there's a little bit of everything. Right. And it's it's kind of a fun place to look around. If you've never been to a pawn shop, you know, find one in your area and maybe check it out.
1: But that's the thing. But, when I figured out what it was, it made me – uh I I felt conflicted. I felt bad, well, you know. Well, yeah, because he, here's the
3: thing. You've always been – shown, I well, I guess I had been shown by television and movies that uh, the people were eventually going to come back and buy that stuff back. You know, it's kind of like they, they just needed a little bit of money right now. They're going to come back and get their stuff back. But that's not the reality. A lot of times that doesn't happen. People like me just come in and buy the stuff and, and it's gone. And I don't think people really ever want that stuff back. And sometimes, and let's be honest, sometimes it's stolen stuff that's uh that's fenced through oh there. that's right I you know like so that. you know drop off the tv at uh you know the, the the pawn shop and you get you get 25 bucks for it or whatever it was at feels the time so naive. and then they mark it up to 75 i buy it and who's the wiser you know that <laughs> happens or you buy oh how about this you buy the car stereo that has the suspiciously short wires on the back uh you know that, <laughs> that are all cut <laughs> at the same length right, you know right. there's no leads on anything uh that happens too so yeah there's there's kind of that angle to it it's it's a little dirty Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know it's 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 fun. I haven't been in one for a
1: while. Are you breaking your pawn shop habits? Oh, well, Scott? I, <laughs> I I like that you talk about reality versus perception here because it makes me want to go back to some of the, the statistics, which I'll say in advance are a little bit disturbing here. So, Scott, you already talked about the annual expenditure and the profit margin. So, of these people who participate. In this auto title loan service, between 6 to 11% of these customers have a car repossessed annually. One third of all the borrowers in general don't have another working vehicle in their household. So now you're, now, now you're double.
3: You're taking away primary transportation.
1: Yeah, now you're double down screwed. Wow. Because now there's no primary transit. (laughs) You know, I have to
3: say, you said it was eleven uh, percent was the, the top end there for the uh, yeah. the repossession. Yeah. That's lower than I would expect I, because this loan is so dangerous. It's such a uh, such a risk. I would think that less people would, you know, pay the full amount back and actually maintain possession of their vehicle. Mm-hmm. I just had a, a gut feeling that more cars were being sold than or repossessed uh, than than eleven percent at the maximum. So we
1: laid out the situation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so- I hope we have. Yeah, I hope so too. And we've, we've given the lay of the land here, but it naturally leads us to the next questions, which are how should things change? Should they change? Right? Mm -hmm. Uh, what is the perspective of the lender in this situation? And what is the future of auto title loans? We'll, we'll take a shot at all these. I don't know how we'll do, but we'll, we'll give them all the old college try after a word from our sponsor.
4: Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week
2: on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there.
5: Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed.
0: smart and intellectual i'm kind of smart i think like it would be fun we have the best conversations like we have fun but then he would treat me like crap
5: listen to on purpose with jay shetty on the iheart radio app apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts trust me you won't want to miss this one
1: we have returned everybody still have their car Alex, you're good? He has no. a no. Okay. Still got
3: mine. Still so you got yours? Yeah. Okay. Alright. Uh, mine's I'm, in the shop. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say, where's yours?
1: My, mine's in the shop. Suspiciously I, missing. I hope I don't have to take an auto title loan to pay for my car repairs. <laughs> you might.
3: You might. No,
1: no. It's been in a long time. It's been in and out. It's been in and out. Me oh, In okay, that, that car it's been history. Okay. But, that just means I have more time to sit here and talk and explore this. <laughs> uh, so, When, when we left for the break, we were asking about how things could change, if so, if they should, right? Mm -hmm. Here are the five points that, uh, I I see a lot of, a lot of proponents and policy makers arguing, right? Okay. They want to either, first off, a lot of these folks say they want to prohibit high-cost loans altogether. Some states have done that. Or they want to issue new regulations that are across the board that are federal, right? Protections
3: so what, for borrowers.
1: Well, yeah. I, I think you could say that. Yeah, protections for borrowers. Uh, and one of the big protections baked into that is that a loan in Louisiana would be treated the same way as like a loan in New Hampshire or – Name a random state. Uh, Utah. Uh, or Utah, clearly. Perfect. Perfect guess. Um so here, here's, here are just uh, five of the principles. So they want to ensure that the borrower has an ability to repay the loan as structured in the beginning when I don't know if we mentioned this. Auto title loans don't do credit checks.
3: Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, In fact, you'll see a lot of the advertisements that say, like, good credit, no credit, you know, bad credit, whatever, uh, you know, that doesn't matter to us. We'll loan you the money same day, that kind of thing. You know, get cash, get cash fast. Mm -hmm. All those ads. That's exactly what they're saying is, like, we're not going to check your credit. We're giving money to anybody that comes in with a car title
1: Mm -hmm. because
3: there's property there. We know it's there. We know what it's worth.
1: Another another thing would be spreading cost evenly over the life of the loan, mm. so that it doesn't balloon. Because this would be people with like limited liquidity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, then guarding against harmful repayment and collections practices. Good luck with that. Requiring concise disclosures. So as Scott said earlier, a lot of these disclosure forms are pretty long, and they uh, they're long in. Well, opponents of them would say that they're long because they're purposefully meant to obscure uh, the more dangerous things about the agreement. Mm-hmm. And finally, setting maximum allowable charges. So, you know, something that would sort of limit usury. Uh, now, that plays into uh, one thing that I wanted to mention, too, is there are
3: some pr- certain protections that have been already installed or in place for military consumers. So anybody who's in the military considering a title loan uh, should look into something called the Department of Defense rule. Now, that is something that states that um, the military APR for car title loans, these, those that have been offered since October 1st of 2007, with a term of 181 days or less, uh, cannot exceed 36%. So that's a, a decent, um, a decent rate. I mean, it's still high, mm-hmm. but it is, uh, it's baked into this agreement, this, um, you know, this Department of Defense rule, uh, that says that military, you know, consumers have been given, uh, you know, uh, well, they have to be given all of the certain disclosures and you know, loan costs and, and, you know, know their rights as borrowers and everything. But they do have these certain protections built in, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the rest of us uh, civilians, I guess, don't don't really have the same protections built in that uh, that they would. So we might be um, more susceptible to these predatory practices,
1: which to me, the idea that there would be a special consideration for military members uh, is Incredibly indicative of recognition at a governmental level that this is bad business. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, it's nice that they're doing that. It's great, but they're also saying, you know, like, why wouldn't they say that for the rest of the citizens? I right. Guess. You know, why wouldn't why wouldn't it be allowed for everybody? Um, I don't know. It's it's interesting when you when you really dig into. The states that allow and don't allow certain things, and you wonder why um, you know it's so different when you travel you know across state lines. What, what's what's the difference really? I mean, why isn't it uh, being um, uh, regulated the way other loans are regulated?
1: Yeah, so let's get some perspective here, Scott. Uh, okay. What about the other side of the aisle? Well, listen, there's a guy that uh, this is from an, an article on
3: Bankrate.com, and it was written in 2013. That's where I got the uh, the older stats from as well. But this guy, his name is a um, is is Fred Winchar. Now, Fred is a lender, and he is attempting to defend his practice. And in in the uh, in the article here. Um, he says that you know he's he, first of all he's well aware that the industry has a reputation as a source of predatory lending, and he, this guy is the president of an Illinois-based company called Quad W International, or at least he was, um, and a place called Max Cash Title Loans. Max Cash Title Loans, okay, <laughs> funny name. Um, he blames here's what here's where he blames the the whole downturn on. He says he blames the mom and pop lenders with questionable business practices for giving the industry a black eye early on so he's saying that you know, you know there are some bad eggs in this in this bunch and he says because they're so bad uh they become you know the thing to look at instead of all the good guys who are doing the good things so he's saying that there's some legitimate business owners out there that are doing the right thing they're they're not charging these exorbitant rates and extra fees and trying to complicate things in order to get the repossessed vehicles that type of thing <clears throat> yeah. But but that's what happened about three decades ago and the industry has become full of businesses like that, you know, trying to repossess people's cars, trying to make things more complicated, trying to um never get, you know, never allow somebody out of this cycle of debt that they're in. And, uh, you know, creating these enormous interest rates and amortized loans, all oh, this is, it's cr- just a, a big complicated mess that it's gotten into. And he says, although unethical car title lenders still exist, uh their numbers are shrinking. So even now, like he's saying, you know, but we, we said that the number of these, businesses has gone up in the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, the, the number of loans that or the people that are taking out loans are going up. So it's, it's getting um, more crowded, I guess, in this in this industry, this car title industry. Uh, but he does say that, you um, when you talk about the industry being predatory, he he does agree. He says at one point it was really predatory. Now he, he calls it competitive. It's competitive okay. industry. Um, and he also says that his industry fills a need for consumers who have tried to obtain traditional loans only to be uh, rejected. So the idea here – and this is something that goes right back to what we said at the very beginning. it's It's – Again, it's it's predatory in the way that he's even saying this. He's just saying it a different way. He's churched it up a little bit, right? Huh. He said that um, he's filling a need for consumers who have tried to obtain traditional loans only to be rejected. These are uh, people that can't get a loan because of you know bad credit, no credit, um, you know past history. Uh, they've had, you know, title loans in the past that they've defaulted on, Yeah. uh, you know, just, it, it, that's the group of people that they're going after. And he's saying, yeah, we'll loan you money, but here are the, here are our restrictions and it's, it's a heavy penalty.
1: And I want to add something here, Scott. Sure. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to uh present that perspective. And I think it's a good point that not all lenders, especially if it's state by state, yeah. there's no uniform regulation. Yeah. Uh, not all lenders are these bad apples that no, we hear about.
3: Some are legit and of course the interest rates are high. They're 36% or, mm-hmm. you know, ballpark near there, but they're not 300% as they could be. You know, they could be charging that and they're not doing that.
1: So there's another interesting group of uh, statistics I have, which is how the borrowers feel. Again, this is from 2015. Uh, borrowers were asked, Overall, do you think that auto title loans mostly help borrowers like you or mostly hurt borrowers like you? 59% said they mostly help. 33% said they mostly hurt. Wow. And then, I know, that's surprising. Another question was, have auto title loans been more a source of stress and anxiety for you and your family or more something that has relieved stress and anxiety? 58% said it relieved stress. Twenty-eight percent said it was a source of stress. Wow, that's you know what these numbers are the reverse of what I would think. Me too, would be. me too, buddy. They don't add to hundred percent because you know don't know, refused, or they do both. Well, were, you like, know the answers. They this plays out. into what Fred Winchar said.
3: Uh, you know, as we just quoted, um, he's saying that he's he's his industry fills a need for consumers who have tried to obtain traditional loans only to be rejected. So. Uh, Clearly, that's the people that we're talking about there. It's like, this is a form of relief for them because they had no other option. Right. And, and, but I'll tell you though, if you're, if you're out there listening to us and we've, you know, I think we've painted a pretty dark picture of what a car title loan is. And I, again, had no idea all this was happening right under my nose around the corner here in Atlanta, you know, or wherever, mm-hmm. um, you know, at all these car title places. I didn't know it was quite this bad. Um, but there are some things that consumer advocates will say, um, uh, you should do instead of maybe taking a car title loan, you know, uh, w- other ways around it, I guess, you know, alternative options. You want oh, like to talk about a few and maybe we can wrap it up with yeah, this yeah, and yeah. maybe final thoughts or something. at the sure. end. Sure. Um, so consumer advocates uh, will say that uh, conventional loans are always going to be the ideal scenario. But if you can't do that, if you're shut out of the conventional loan market, there are other options. And, and one of those, and this is so simple when you really think about this, you know, we said title loans have only been around since about 1990, 1991, somewhere around there you know mm-hmm. late yeah, late yeah, 80s yeah. early 90s yeah just think about what people did 25 or 30 years ago before any of these products existed and just do that i mean just <laughs> you know cuz before this you didn't have that option you had to find a way around it and if you were shot out of the bank there were other ways to do things so here's a couple of things you can do and i don't recommend a couple of these some of these are terrible options but right. uh, and i won't tell you which ones i think are are bad and you know versus good but okay here's a few Possibilities. If you want to think of it this way, mm-hmm. you can go to your employer and ask for a paycheck advance. What do you Oof. think of that? Yeah, I know. I mean,
1: that's that's that, a rough one. Maybe if you maybe if you work for uh, a family-owned company, or but I think for a lot of corporations, that's not going to fly.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you can also talk to your family or friends about a personal loan. Okay, that's always an option. People have done that since the beginning of time. I think mm-hmm. uh, that's always. Iffy for both you know both sides. A lot of times uh you know what, maybe that's another Clark Howard show issue. You can you can probably <laughs> find a lot of information on his site about that, um <laughs> or how he feels about a loan, mm-hmm. a family loan. Um here's another thing that a lot of people don't realize. Religious institutions and community groups often are able to offer financial help to people that um you know they don't often advertise this, that they but they do have funds available for people that in their community mm-hmm. that are you know having some trouble having some uh, some financial problems they won't have a lot yeah. uh but a lot of times they can give you a small loan to get you by and and that's kind of well i mean it makes sense a religious institution or you know community group that someone who's there to better the community yeah um in you know different ways you know whether it's uh you know um civic duties or or uh you know spiritually or whatever this is uh this is something that you know they would be Oftentimes, happy to help you out with, and a lot of people don't think of that as an option. Now, credit unions are a great option. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. they'll give you a, even a small dollar loan if you if you want something like that, um, and interest rates that are really reasonable, especially you know uh, when you compare them to what we talked about with the auto title loans. You know, the three hundred percent—they're nowhere near that. I guarantee that. So, so look into your credit unions as an option, mm-hmm. and of course, I mean, there's there's other you know, ways around this as well. But if you're settled with a car loan, you know, a car title loan, uh, the best course of action is to pay it back as fast as you possibly can. Um Avoid all the interest that you can, you know, by paying early. Make sure that your loan allows you to pay back early without penalty. Um But if you do have one of these car title loans, um I hope I said car title in just a moment ago, but tar- <laughs> a title loan in particular. Yeah. Uh, do whatever you have to do to pay that off immediately. Just get out of it, get out from underneath it. And uh and then, Try to get yourself in a position, if you can, where you can find a, a legal or a, um, uh, a loan that is much more fitting for your yeah. situation. I Sorry,
1: mean, I was just chuckling because for a second I thought you were going to say, find a way, find a, a legal or, I thought you were going to say, or different sort of illegal. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I just mean, um, you know, try to find a, a legal source, uh, you know, that you can borrow from in the future if you ever have to do that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that is far less, um, um, difficult to pay back. So something that you won't feel like you're just you know, the the weight of the world on your shoulders right. when you're trying to make that payment at the end of the month because a lot of people are in that position. But those stats that you said are puzzling to me, Ben. They're, me too. They just are they're opposite of what I would think. So it's actually kind of nice to hear that you know it provides some relief in some way uh, to some families. But man, it just seems like it's it, it's a bad situation when you really read all these articles. You know, you'll you'll find titles of of um. You know, why car title loans are always a bad idea? Are tar are car title loans a good idea? Uh why consumers should be wary. Those are the headlines that you'll read. Uh but maybe there is a group of people out there that they do suit. And uh you know, who are we to say who that that uh you know works for and doesn't work for?
1: Right. And we want to hear from you. If you have any personal experience with this, if you are involved in the industry, if you have uh an additional point that we missed or a perspective that you think your fellow listeners could benefit from I think we tr- we tried to you know present both sides pretty well I think I mean with the uh, the
3: lender and you know and, mm. but we're letting people know what's really going on too just kind of the uh, the cold hard facts of the case I guess mm.
1: and if you uh if you are in a situation where you are considering something like that and you have not yet done it um we'll say in Without, you know, your situation is your own. We can't tell you what to do, uh, but we do hope this information puts you in a better place to be completely aware of the dangers involved.
3: Yeah, And again, one week ago, I had no idea, you know, any of this was happening. So uh, it, it's real. It's a real eye opener, I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, from from my point of view anyways.
1: And so we hope that this episode has been uh, illuminating or at least a at least a, a decent listen, I feel like we're also going to get some people writing in to tell us about the weirdest things they ever found at a pawn shop. Oh, I hope we do. Yeah, I'm all ears on that one. Or eyes, I guess, because I'm reading an email. You guys get the gist. Uh Anyhow, so we are heading out. This concludes our episode, but not our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can find every single episode Scott and I have ever done on our website, carstuffshow.com. You can join us on Facebook, where Scott regularly posts all sorts of strange stuff. That he finds on the internet. Strange stuff. All sorts of fascinating it's bits of auto trivia. Incredibly cool stuff. All sorts of incredibly cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I've got Ben in a headlock until he says it, until he, until he says it right.
1: All sorts of incredibly cool stories, anecdotes, blasts from the past, and the bleeding edge of the future of auto tech. You can find that, uh, we're also on Twitter, uh, we're carstuffhsw on both of those. And if you have a suggestion for something we should cover in an upcoming episode, or you want to let us know about the weirdest thing you found in a pawn shop, or, uh, you have a perspective you'd like to add on auto title loans, you can write to us directly. We are car stuff
3: at howstuffworks.com
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com.
2: Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician